Don't miss your chance to join our free Motivation Reboot Challenge starting Monday the 10th of July, one hour per day for five days to reboot your motivation, inspiration, energy, and enthusiasm to attack each day and to play big. Join now via the link in the description. It's absolutely free, so head down there now, join the link in the description, and be part of our free Motivation Reboot Challenge. I mean, this is going to be real talk about money. This is also the reason why the cost of living crisis is happening. It's the reason why most people are going to be stuck financially. And it's probably also the reason why most people will never get ahead financially, even though most people, even those who are listening to this, will still think that they'll get ahead. But most people won't. So just be careful not to be caught in these traps. I've been there and it sucks. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I talk about the many lessons, learnings, and tools that I've learned along my journey from being the private mindset and mental performance coach to rich listers, successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, and more, all while running business and personal performance events for tens of thousands of people who want to get the best out of themselves and their lives. This is my way of helping more people to excel in life, build successful empires, and be the best that they can be. I hope you share and enjoy. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the cost of living crisis that the media keep ramping up about. There's all this pressure financially on most families and most people. And the reason why it is only going to get worse, it will not get better. And there are so many reasons why it will not get better. And I would rather be on the side of the winning team than the losing team. And most people are going to be on the losing team. So let's discuss money. Let's discuss finances and how you can stay on the winning team financially. Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. So before we start, I want to say a huge thank you to all those who have been interacting with me on my Facebook page. It's the Michael Mojo 00 Facebook page. It's been absolutely cranking. I slammed up a free resource only a week ago. I think we've had over 500 downloads of that resource organically. It just went, it sort of went nuts. I wasn't expecting it. I just threw it up online and I thought, you know what, I'm going to see if people grab onto it. And it went wild. For all those who have been interacting with me and downloading the free resources that I've been giving them on my Facebook page, huge shout out. Thank you so much. I love being part of a community of people that want to be better, that want to do more, that want to achieve more and don't let their own bullshit get in the way. So massive shout out to our community, especially those on Facebook who have been following me and also who have been using the resources that I've been providing. So massive thank you. All right, let's get into this episode. We are talking about money and why the cost of living crisis is only going to get worse. Now, if you're overseas, you may not have what the Australian media call the cost of living crisis. But just as always, the media grab hold of something. And, you know, we've got a percentage of the population that are struggling financially, probably because of poor financial habits, probably because of spending behaviors, probably because of mindset patterns and a whole bunch of other things. It could be other reasons as well. It could be due to government. It could be due to their past. There's so many different reasons why people struggle financially. But we do live in the lucky country here. In Australia, we are so resource rich. Companies can just keep pulling out resources out of the ground from oil to gas to, you know, a lot of the mining metals like iron ore, coal, like a lot of the stuff that we're subject to in this country isn't like most other countries around the world. We are extremely asset rich here. The problem why most people struggle is something that no one talks about, especially in the media and the cost of living crisis. And I'm going to go through it today. So I'm going to talk about 10 hard-hitting, power-hitting facts as why most people never get ahead financially, and also why the cost of living crisis is only going to get worse, and the rich will keep getting richer, and those who struggle are going to struggle even more. 
essentially it's a noose that's only going to get tighter over the next 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe even 100 years. So I would rather be on the side of winning versus complaining about shit. Most people will just complain about shit. Like right now, people complaining, you know, prices are going up of everything. Therefore, the cost of living crisis. You know, the government should do more. It's the government's fault. You know, it's companies aren't paying enough tax. Yada, yada, yada. Most people are blaming something outside of themselves for the reason why they are shit with money. I'm saying that in a harsh way because the sooner that people sit there and go, you know what, I am pretty shit with money. Like I've been struggling most of my life or I get ahead and then I end up behind again or I just have never really gotten ahead and I'm always struggling or you know what, money's not important to me but at the same time it's a noose around my neck and it's choking the fuck out of me and I can't do what I want in life. Once you get to that point where enough's enough and you've suffered enough and you're fucking sick of it is the time that most people change. Most people aren't foresight enough to look ahead and go, you know what, life is short. If I look at the last decade of my life, it's come quick. So if you've just turned 30 or you're in your 30s, just think about how quick your 20s to 30s went. Please understand this, the 30s to 40s is gonna go even quicker. I can tell you right now, my 30s to 40 has gone even quicker. I turned 40 this year, it's gone even quicker than my 20s to 30s. And I thought that went quick. When I got to 30, I was fucking miserable. I hit rock bottom. I was like, I'm a piece of shit. I haven't achieved anything. I've spent all this money on personal development, on personal growth. I'm trying to understand business. Prior to that, I was a high level personal trainer that had been paid quite well, but I ended up broke again. So my last year as a personal trainer, I made $375,000 as an independent personal trainer. I think that was about 12 years ago now. So this wasn't during the internet boom where, you know, over the last 12 years for a personal trainer to make 300 grand is not bad, right? It's not good, but it's not bad. Personal trainers out there now are making millions online. You know, if you look at Kayla Sinez and Toby Pierce, Toby's a friend of mine, they sold Sweat, the app, which was an exercise app. Kayla and Toby both started off as personal trainers. They sold that app, I think it was for $400 million. So, you know, a couple hundred grand a year isn't anything major, it's nothing crazy, right? But at the same time, that was good, good money. It's still good money, right? A couple hundred grand a year, doing what you enjoy and what you love is quite good. I'd won awards as a personal trainer and so on. So I ended up leaving that industry and I walked away and I started with zero. The very next year, I earned $40,000, 40 grand. And then the year after I thought, you know what? This year is gonna be a better year. I earned 40 grand. Then the year after that, I earned 80 grand. So I had 40, 40 and 80. And I had overhead, so I had to pay all the overheads for the business. We we're running some seminars, we we're doing events. Like I was laying everything on the line. In fact, I was actually running at a negative because I was borrowing money and I was putting shit on credit card. I was broke and I didn't know how to get out of it. The year after that though, I did $1.2 million. So there were some big things that changed. And then after that, I've never dropped below a million dollars in income in a year. So my point is that there were some fundamental things that changed. And I noticed that from a young kid, I would go through stages where I would make money and then I would end up broke again. And this was a consistent pattern. I'd get ahead financially and then I'd end up broke. When I was 21, I invested a bunch of money in the share market because I was an apprentice diesel mechanic and I'd put money away every week. I followed good principles of money and wealth creation. Then there was a bit of an up cycle in the market. I thought that my shit didn't sting. I thought I was awesome. I thought I was smarter than everyone else. So I was like, cool, I can just keep making money in the share market. I took that money out, it was about 10 grand. I took that money out, went on a holiday to Thailand, had a heap of fun, ran a mark, did a couple of Queensland trips with some friends. And then eventually I came back, 
my shares had dropped. The market had taken a big hit and I was like, oh fuck. And then I shit myself and I pulled the money out of the market because I was freaking out. I was like, holy shit, I almost lost everything. But that was just due to my own stupidity. And I pulled out money when everything was going up and I spent it. Looking back now, that investment, if I kept going, I would have probably been worth you know, millions more if I just kept going with the same strategy I had back then. But I didn't. Why? Because I had mental sabotage patterns that I did not even know. They were completely unconscious. They were just part of the way that I had learned about money. And to be honest, about 90 to 95% of the economy or 90% of this country and 90% of the world have really bad financial habits from first of all, what they've been taught from their family, from what they've been taught from friends, from what they've been taught by the media, by what they've been taught by society, by what they've been taught at school. And all of that integrates. You've got to remember that the imprint period for a child is zero to six years of age. What you see between the ages of zero to six massively affect the rest of your life. Now, I'm not saying you can't change it, but zero to six, massive imprint stage. Imagine this, that you grow up and you see a family arguing about money. What are your perceptions therefore forward on money? Some people see that and they go, I need to get ahead financially because I never want my family to struggle. So they might work hard, put money away, save money, invest, do all the right things, and they get ahead financially. Then you have other people look at that and say, money destroys the world, money's bad, I never want money to get between me and friends and family and blah, blah, blah. And so therefore, when you get money, you think money's bad and you subconsciously or unconsciously go and get rid of money. And you're one of those people maybe who look online and you go, oh, I've got to have those shoes. Like you've got to have them, you'll die if you don't get them. And you listen to some people's language, I've got to have that. So then they go out and they buy and then they go, shit, I wonder why I can't get ahead. You know what I need? I need to make more money. I need to earn more money. But the problem is they don't have an earning problem. They have a spending problem. And that spending problem is actually a mindset problem. Probably 99% of people have a mindset problem, not a strategy or a skill set problem when it comes to money. There are some skill sets that you do need to learn, but they're pretty basic and most people know them. It's just they don't do them, right? It's the same with obesity. Like in this country, most people, if you have a look, the majority of people are obese, overweight, you know, either pre-diabetes or diabetic. Like heart disease is a huge issue in this country. So most Australians have a really shit poor diet and they don't move enough. Now, everybody knows that the calorie deficit seems to be the thing that is the greatest asset that we have to battling a health crisis or an obesity epidemic. And we've got an epidemic now, but the fucking government doesn't shut down a whole country because of that epidemic, even though it probably kills more people than anything else, especially over a long period. Anyway, my point is most people know they need to move more and put less shit in their mouth. But most people then go to the gym and they're like, I need the perfect gym program. And then when it doesn't work, they blame the program or they go, you know what? I went to the gym for like six months and I was getting good results, but you know, it didn't work. It did fucking work when you're going to the gym and you're eating well, but it didn't when you stopped doing that shit, right? So most people just have a really bad mindset around things that they want to achieve. And it's normally because they don't have an effective success map in life, which is why I go over that in Thrive Time. Thrive Time is the greatest personal development event on the planet, guaranteed money back. That's why I give money back. I've never had to do it if it's not because when you're clear on what drives your behavior, and you tap inside of your own mind, you see this shit right in front of your face and you can change it and you can deal with it. If you don't do that, you just keep repeating the same things and most people think that they're gonna change their own mindset with the tools that they already know and it's not gonna work because if it did, you'd already be in that position. So why do I believe that, first of all, things are only gonna get worse? Well, if you look at countries around the world, like let's look at the US, right? If we go back 50 years ago, what was the gap between the rich and the poor like? Right now, America has a homeless problem. They have a problem with a high drug use, a lot of people living on the streets. And for some of you out there, 
you know, depending on, on where you're at, I know we do get a lot of listeners in the United States of America. You know, I know everywhere is not like that, right? And the media blow this shit out of proportion. So, you know, I'm not saying that this is everywhere. But if you have a look at the increase of homeless rates, they've gone up, right? There is larger amounts of poverty in the US than what there was before, and there are high gaps of wealth. So then the question becomes, why do the rich keep getting richer and the poor get poorer? Now, is it part of government? Hell yeah. Of course it's part of government. Is it also part of a society problem? Yes. Does society tend to reinforce patterns of behavior, thought processes, and all that sort of shit? 100%. So if you're in a high net worth area, you probably think and talk differently than in a low net worth area. So do you have a greater likelihood of getting ahead financially if you're in a high net worth area where you're building the right relationships, the right connections, you're learning how to talk about money, you sit around the dinner table and your parents talk about money and they talk about it with no emotional attachment, or are you probably going to get ahead financially if you're in a low socioeconomic area where your friends and family potentially stealing stuff, doing illegal shit, selling drugs, you know, thinking that hard work is the only way out. And that's part of it, right? If you don't work hard, then you're leaving a lot on the table. But is work ethic the only thing? Now, that's the only thing that most people know in this country. Like I speak to most people, like most people every week that I speak to, they're like, man, I work so hard and I just can't seem to get ahead. Or I'm working so hard and I feel like shit and life's not where I want it to be. Or I work so hard, but I just can't seem to get the lifestyle that I want. That's because hard work is only one factor. There are so many other factors that they're not acknowledging. There is just other things, right? Like if you want great health, does a calorie deficit matter? Probably, especially if you're obese. But do you also need to move? Yes. Why? Because movement helps with lymphatic flow. It helps with blood flow. It helps with just health, mental health. Now it's come out now. There was a recent study that was published that shows that just going for a 30 minute walk, I think, or 30, maybe 15 minute walk or something like that, actually does better for your brain than the same time of meditation. So if you go for a 30 minute walk, that's better than meditating for 30 minutes from your brain's point of view. I'm assuming that's gonna be debated and they're, they're gonna look into it deeper, but that's some new research that's come out. So you need to do other things in order to have good health. Is it important to make sure that you're not only having a calorie deficit, but you're eating vitamin, nutrient food? Yes, why? Because the body needs nutrients. So it all depends on what the goal is. If your goal is just to lose weight, calorie deficit movement, right? If your goal is to just get ahead financially, you can make heaps of money. But there are other things as well. You might ruin your lifestyle. You might ruin your marriage. There are plenty of people out there who make lots of money, great business owners, fucked up relationship, fucked up life, shit health, right? So the question is, is that what you want? Most people I speak to, the answer is no. When I speak to people, they're like, I want a better life. I want to be able to go on holidays. I want to spend time with family. I want to have a better intimate relationship. I want to have a better relationship with myself mentally, but also I want to feel good about who I am. Every year I'm getting older. I don't want more aches and pains. I want less aches and pains. I want to work smarter, not harder. So they want all of these things. Yet when I ask people what their strategy is, they're like, um, uh, well, I'm probably, you know, maybe go on a holiday. And I'm like, you fucking penis. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Like a holiday. You're going to get back and you're going to have the same fucking problems. Why? Because you're running away from your problems. You're not dealing with them. You're not thinking through things. So anyway, let's come back and let's talk about money. So why is the cost of living getting worse? because the rich are always gonna get richer. Why? Because it's in the government's best interest to make sure that businesses keep operating. Who own businesses? Entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs own businesses. Why? Because they're risk takers. Entrepreneurs have higher levels of risk tolerance. They also tend to not care so much about what other people think. They tend to do shit outside of the box. They're just different. 
right? I was talking to an entrepreneur yesterday who is a young kid who owns a, well, when I say a young kid, he's in his early 20s. He's got about $7.5 million worth of restaurants and cafes. And we were talking and he said, you know, I just go through these sort of moments in my life where, you know, I work really, really hard and then I feel burnt out and then I feel guilty and I beat myself up. And I said, right, you need to stop. You need to change your mindset because you think that you need to be consistent. Entrepreneurs aren't consistent. Some of them are, but most of them aren't. Most of them are high risk tolerance, high energy, enthusiastic, push against the grain. But when their energy is high, when their mind's working right, when they're in the right environment, they will go super hard and they might work 15 hours a day. And I gave an example where this week, on Monday, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning. I was wide awake, eyes open, let's fucking roll. Got out of bed, cranked work, and I worked until about 6.30, 7 o'clock that night. So we're talking from 3 a.m. to 7 o'clock without an energy drop, right? Cranked out work. And I said, in all honesty, your employees, how much productivity they produce in an eight-hour day? And he said, probably effectively, three to four. And I said, so if you think about an entrepreneur, I worked from 3 a.m. to about 6.30, 7 o'clock, whatever it was, super productively. I'm talking like minute by minute cranking work. So I said, I pretty much outperformed the average staff member in one day. Now, can I do that every day? And the answer is no. The next day I woke up, I worked until lunchtime and I had brain fog and I was just like, oh, my just, I can't seem to click into gear. So I just took the afternoon of a bit of chill time. I went and had a nap. I went for a walk, came back and I worked another couple of hours, like another three or four hours. That was it, right? So was that, that day as productive as the day before? Fuck no. And there are some days where I just have almost no productivity. I'll just read a book for the whole day or I might sit down and just watch TV. My point is, is that different people set their lives up differently. So entrepreneurial type people are quite different. So my point was that like I can outperform most people over a week. I'll probably work three weeks, maybe even four weeks compared to their one week. But is it consistent? And the answer is no. So I don't compare myself with the average person. Jess is very methodical. So Jess, my wife, is very methodical. She likes waking up at the same time, going to bed at the same time. She plods along. She doesn't like too much risk. She's a bit more risk adverse, not as high energy, not as intense. But at the same time, is just very productive. But from what we produce, I can produce more in a day than what she can over two or three days in most cases. And she's super efficient and super effective. But it's just I'm an intense dude. That's how I operate. And that's how I like to operate in life. So you can't compare the same things. But what does this have to do with the cost of living? Because entrepreneurs are going to take more risks. They're going to put more on the line. They're going to fork out cash. They're going to look long-term into the future. They're going to be thinking about what's going to happen in five or 10 years. They're going to be planning for that. They also hang around other wealthy people. So they're going to see opportunities. They're not going to see fear. They're going to see opportunities. So all of a sudden, the economy starts turning to shit. Good entrepreneurs sit there and go, right, how do we make money out of this? Where's the opportunities? Cool. Housing prices are going down. Probably a great time that when it bottoms out, we go and buy a shitload of land. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit on cash at the moment. Then the other thing is that they're looking and they're going, right, I noticed that in a recession, these types of businesses grow and scale really, really well. These types of businesses perform poorly. So therefore, I'm going to get cash out of those investments and put them into other investments that work well in recessions. They're thinking about this stuff. The average mum and dad, they're just going, shit, how do I pay for the bills this week? How do I make sure we can have our holiday at the end of the year? And so they're just thinking about the near future. And so that's what keeps them stuck. Is it the fact that they're just mum and dads? No, because plenty of mum and dads get ahead financially and end up becoming extremely wealthy. What's the difference? Their mindset, number one. It's a mindset pattern that is different between the wealthy and everybody else. And everybody else, the middle class, are completely different in their mindset than ultra high net worth and high net worth. Also, the middle class are different than lower class. So if I talk to most middle class people, the number one thing that they think is if I work harder, I make more money. 
that only works for a period of time. And these are all the people that are online and they say shit like, only a person who sits behind a desk their whole life and says that we don't need to retire at 65 would say something like that. Well, how about this? How about you shouldn't be working on the tools from the age of 14 years of age as a kid with no other goals apart from being on the tools your whole life and only having that as a strategy for wealth? Eventually, you are going to burn out. Your body's going to fuck up. Everyone knows that we have an aging process. The aging process is part of something that forces us to be more intelligent, right? And it's more intelligent. I know I'm more intelligent with my training. When I was 21, I would go out, get pissed, slam a ton of beers, go to bed at two o'clock in the morning, wake up at 5.30 or 6, go to work for a whole day, smash a ton of Red Bulls, you know, eat shitty food. And then at seven o'clock at night, my mate rings me when I'm sitting on the couch half asleep and goes, do you want to go out again tonight? And I go, fuck yeah, let's do it. And then I'm out again on the beers all night. Or actually, I didn't drink beer, but it would normally be vodkas, vodka, lime soda. It would be bourbon. It would be something like that. I'd be drinking fancy cocktails and shit, you know, the fluffy, colorful drinks. I would drink pretty much anything. And I could do that week after week after week. I could walk into the gym the very next morning at eight o'clock in the morning, and I could just do deadlift sessions. I could deadlift all that and my body would not destroy itself. Then I started getting into my mid-20s and all of a sudden I'm getting pain in my back, pain in my shoulders, pain in my neck, and it's reducing my ability to train. Around my early 30s, I sat there and I went, if I keep doing this shit, I am on the wrong trajectory, right? If you fire a rocket in one direction and it can only fly straight and you fire it a couple of degrees off, it's going to end up in a completely different fucking position. I knew that I was firing my body and my health rocket in the wrong direction and that this would destroy my health, it would destroy my life. And having worked in gyms for a long period of time, I would see the old guys that would come in, I would call them the old guys, in their 40s and 50s and they're fucking limping in, they've got taped elbows, taped shoulders, they're rubbing fucking deep heat on themselves, they're going in getting their shoulders cut apart, their knees cut, you know, they're having all these surgeries, why? Because their body's fucked and they still love training. But they never did the things that they need to do to adjust for the number one, the aging process, their ability to heal, but also they weren't doing the right things in training in the first place. And hence why they had injuries that just took them a while to wear out. And that's all that's happening, right? It's like a tire on your car. If your wheel alignment's out, you don't just drive it on the first day and just go, right, it's scrubbed all my tires. It takes a couple of months, maybe even a year. And then you get the tire and you're like, holy shit, the inside of the tire is completely fucked. But on the outside, it looks completely fine. That's the same with your body. If you keep trashing it when you're younger, eventually it will just trash itself out. But the question is, is this the trajectory that I want to keep going on? So if not, you need to change that. And so with my body, I went, what do I need to do to make sure that at the age of 40, I feel better than the age that I did at 30? I can tell you right now, I'm more energetic. I have more enthusiasm. I can work longer hours. I can lift heavier shit. In fact, at the age of 39, I just broke my deadlift record. Now that might not mean much to people, but it does me because I always had back pain. And so lower back pain from a young age was something that I've dealt with. And the doctors back when I was younger said I may have to go in for surgery. I've got bulging discs, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm stronger than what I've ever been. And I could probably still smash my bench press record if I went for it. My point is that I adapted and became smarter, right? I didn't just get away with being dumb and using my body. This is what happens with most people in life, right? They go, I've got to work harder, got to work harder. If I want to make more money, I just need to put in more hours. I just need to put in more hours and work harder. And then eventually at the age of 30, 40, 50, they're all just fucking cooked and they can't do it anymore. My dad's exactly like that. My dad comes on, oh, my neck's fucked, my shoulder's fucked. You know, I can't wait till I retire. And I'm like, dude, why don't you just work on your body? 
right? You love working. You love being a trader. Like you love doing that stuff. Ah, nah, fuck it. Like can't be bothered with that. Nah, fuck that. Okay, cool. Just go get some cortisone. Keep chewing on pain pills and just do your thing, right? Enjoy, you know, having shit health. But anyway, my point is that you've got to change that trajectory. So financially, same thing, right? If you're headed in a direction that hasn't been working, it hasn't been working for one year, it hasn't been working five years, and it hasn't been working 10 years, it's probably not going to change. This is the harsh truth that most people don't want to look at or even consider. And the best way to start is to look in the mirror and go, what do I need to change? And most of the time, it's the way you think about things. It probably wasn't your fault that you were brought up in a certain environment, right? I was born in a lower socioeconomic class. My mum and dad were working extremely hard. Dad worked two jobs. My mum worked as a shoe clerk, okay? They had fuck all money. As kids, I remember, you've heard this on the podcast before. My mum used to collect leftover food on weekends when we would go away to barbecues with friends. Their friends we would hang out with and they would go, oh, I'll just throw the sausages in the bin. And mum would say, no, I'll keep them and we'll eat them. And so on the weekends, on Sunday night, we'd always have sausage Sundays because it was always leftovers from other people. It wasn't our leftovers. It was leftovers from other people. Right, so this is where I started from. We lived in a lower socioeconomic area. Now that area now is a lot nicer, but when I grew up, they bought one of the first houses and built on a block of land that was just essentially a fucking flat block of land, you know, with no houses around. It was a development that was going on. And so that's how I grew up. And my mum always used to say, we can't afford shoes. I would go play basketball, can't afford shoes. I would take packets of two minute noodles to school to eat for lunch because they were 49 cents back in the day, 49 cents for a packet of two minute noodles. So I'll just take two minute noodles for lunch and I'd eat raw, cold two minute noodles for lunch. That was pretty much my lunch most days. Or white bread with some jam. Sometimes I would just like take some cereal, just grab a handful of cereal and put it in a bag. Every now and again, if we were super lucky, there would be some like crisps or some chips or something like that in our lunchbox. But there was never chocolate. We very rarely ever went out for dinner. If we did, it was to the local pub where it was like, you know, family night or whatever, where kids eat free. Like, that's how I grew up. Our holidays were camping or shit like that. So I'm not saying that that's bad because I actually, looking back now, it made me who I am today. So I would never change it. My point is that I had to change something. And I got to my late 20s, early 30s, and I went, shit, this is a pattern where I get ahead financially and I work really, really hard, but I end up with no money again. What the fuck? And I'd already done a lot of study into mindset. I was already doing mindset coaching. And I went, you know what? It's my fucking head that needs to change. My head is the biggest problem because I've got old shit from the past that I haven't worked through, that I haven't broken. Now, I'm not saying you need to go to an event and sit down and cry about your past and talk about your traumas and shit. That's not what we do at our events. I've had multiple people message me this week and say, I would love to come to your events, but I don't do those types of events. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, I don't want to jump up and down. I don't want to share my shit with people. I don't want to fucking touch people and rub their shoulders and shit. I don't want to cry. I don't. And I'm like, that's not what we do. That's a small group. Actually, that's a large group of our industry. That That's not what we do. That's not how we operate. I'm a fucking dude, right? People come in. We show you how to break down your patterns. We show you how to get the best out of yourself. But I don't fucking care if you share shit with people. Like, this is about you and getting the best out of yourself. And the thing is that if you keep digging up the past, you're just going to keep recreating the past. If you just create a better future, you can drive towards that better future. The goal is to create a better future not to keep digging up your past thinking that that's going to create a better future because it doesn't. I've worked with tens of thousands of fucking people and I get people all the time who come from other personal development events who keep digging up traumas and shit and trying to deal with their traumas and all they end up with is a victim mentality and feeling like shit because they just feel like there's all this trauma that's holding them back. Just create a better future. That's it. Just create it, make it big enough where you're excited about it, where you run into it. That's it. But anyway, 
Why is the cost of living crisis gonna go up? Because normally it's not an earning problem that most people have. In Australia, most people earn enough money. Now, when they say, well, we don't earn enough money to buy a house, cool. Then fucking make more money in a different way. Right now, there are people complaining about the cost of living. The truth is that we are going to start to see trailer parks in Australia and we are going to see high density accommodation for people because people will just not be able to afford houses anymore. You know, the great Australian dream of owning a house will not be that dream anymore for most of the population. You won't get people who are low income earners being able to afford to own houses. So trailer parks, there's going to be high density housing where essentially you buy a house, which is just a room and a kitchen, and there'll be a common area for a laundry. And you'll just live with probably a couple of hundred people, if not a thousand people in a building block, right? And that's just the way it's going to be. Why? Because the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And that's the way that it is. And because the rich are smart enough, they think through things differently. They take more risks. If the government tax wealthy people too much, they just pack their shit up and they leave and they go to another country. This thing happened in California in the US, right? Do you know how many people I know and have heard of who have fucked off from California because California kept raising taxes? And they kept raising it and raising it and raising it and saying, we're going to put it towards dealing with homeless issue, of dealing with all these social issues. All that happened was the rich just went, you know what? I'm sick of this shit. I'm sick of walking out of my house, getting harassed by junkies, by having to deal with the homeless, of having to deal with all this fucking shit. I would rather go and live in a state where I pay less tax and they have better healthcare. They have better police. They have more authority into crime. And they don't put up with shit. And so most of them are moving to Texas or moving to other states because wealthy people know if I am paying a good amount of tax, I want to be safe, I want to be secure, and I want to have good opportunities for myself, my family, my kids. They're not going to stay somewhere where they get paid high tax and all that money goes towards supporting junkies, supporting fucking homeless people and allowing them to live on the streets. In California now, they're not allowed to touch them, move them on. So they just keep building up everywhere. There's just more and more homeless people just building up everywhere. Bigger drug problems and it's drug related crimes aren't getting solved because it's a mental health issue. They're dealing with it like it's a drug epidemic, but it's not, it's a mental health issue. Most people on drugs have mental health issues. So therefore they tend to be more violent. There's more alcohol issues. There's more you know, domestic violence. There's more robbery, there's more crime. If you keep taxing the rich, they just pick their shit up and they fuck off to another country that gives them that opportunity. So the government are always stuck. And the problem is that governments get paid to govern. Now, the more rules that a government puts in, the more they get to govern. So governments naturally tend to want to put in more rules, more regulation, more structure, which then makes them very government heavy. When a government's government heavy, it means they need higher tax. And now you've got a country where a large amount of the employment sector is government. Why? Because it's got to regulate, it's got to govern, it's got to process, it's got all the red tape, all of that shit. And so the economy just starts slowing down. It's not a good place for entrepreneurs to be. So then taxes start to drop off and things just get worse over time. And this is how essentially economies collapse. But let's not worry about that because Australia's not there yet. We're in an asset rich country, probably not gonna get there for a long, long time. But how do I know the rich are gonna keep getting richer? Because of that reason, right? They will find ways, there's always ways. As someone who does reasonably well financially, I know that if the government raised taxes, I go straight to my accountant, I get a good tax lawyer and I go, right, how do we minimize tax? How do we reduce tax? What can we do? Do we hire offshore staff? Do we then set up different companies overseas and shit like that so that we can run our events overseas and do other things where I can hold more assets in other countries? What do we do? How do we work this? That's how entrepreneurs think. So even though the lower and middle class get given these little gifts by the government in order to buy votes because there's more of them, the truth is that the majority of the income that the government make 
is paid for by the top 10%. And I can't remember this statistic, but you can go and check it out. I think it's around the top 5% of income earners in Australia pay about 30, I think it's 35 or 37% of all the tax. It might even be higher. It might be up around the 40s. But my point is that the way that the media work is that the media work and sit there and say, this person who is a high net worth earner is only paying 10% tax. But 10% of a billion dollars is way more money than 30% of someone that earns 40 grand a year, right? And that's what the media don't tell you because they like to create a divide between the rich and the poor. The truth is it's the rich people in this country, the wealthiest people in this country who pay for the majority of social schemes. Why? Because they get taxed the most in total revenue dollar or total dollar value, right? Not in percentage, but in total dollar value, right? So that's why I want to pay a low tax rate. So I want to pay 10, 15, 20% tax, right? That's all I want to pay. So if I can find ways of doing that and I can keep growing my business, I can now build a $100 million business that pays 10%. That's $10 million a year. If I'm someone who I can get that same thing overseas and now I've got to pay 49% in Australia, I'm going to pack my shit up and head across because then I've got to pay $49 million out of $100 million to the government and the government aren't going to use my money effectively. They're going to put it towards bullshit. A lot of it's going to go to government incentives, red tape, buying votes. You know, everyone knows that the government just wastes a ton of fucking money for useless shit. So no one wants to pay excess tax. Not even poor people want to pay excess tax. And not even poor people fucking trust the government. What do you think rich people are like who hang out with them all the time and, and spend time with them? They know that they fucking waste our money. My point is that there's going to be a greater divide. So here are my 10 things. These are 10 key things that I wish I would have known earlier that would have helped me get ahead financially that I'm sharing with you right now. That if you start to change, I guarantee you over time, you will get ahead more financially. And if you're not implementing these, start implementing them slowly. Most people will never fucking do them. I can lay them out right now and I know that most people never do them because I've been talking about this shit for years and most people still don't do it. Why? Because you've got to go against the grade of most average people. And most people spend their time with other average people so that when they see you doing it, they think you're weird or you feel different or you feel like you're trying to keep up with them. If you want to keep up with average people and you compare yourself with average people, then don't be surprised if you're always average. You might get a little bit ahead amongst some of your friends that are average, but you're still just average, right? That's harsh to say, and most people don't want to hear it, but I'd rather headbutt a couple of people between the eyes and say, right, it's time to step up because you're better than this. And I know that anyone who's listening to this podcast believes that they're better than they are now. Why would you give up time listening to a podcast? Why would you give up time listening to a fucking ranger behind a microphone talking a whole bunch of crazy talk and speaking fast if you don't want to get ahead financially and you don't want to do better in life or you don't want to achieve more or you don't want to feel better about yourself or you don't want to feel better about life? This podcast helps people to come alive and live their dreams because one day you're going to die and it's not going to matter, right? So I want to make your life matter right now by doing the right things. Does that mean you've got to go against the grain? Yes. I can tell you right now in my 20s, I invested the majority money into personal development, personal growth and learning. The majority of my friends in my 20s who were all drinking, partying, taking drugs, gambling all the time, they all said, go into those courses. You're going to get ripped off. They don't give a fuck about you. They're going to take advantage of you. They told me all that stuff. There's all this shit's a ripoff. Why were they saying that? Because they were fucking scared. They were the pussies. I then went out and kept learning, kept growing and doing all that shit. And eventually I broke away from them. Here's the truth. The truth is at the age of 30, when I made my first million bucks. And then by the age of 31, I believe when I bought my first supercar, when I bought my Audi R8. 
And then by the age of 34, when I bought my McLaren or 35, whatever it was, I think it was 35 when I bought my McLaren, they were the same people who messaged me and said, dude, you're crushing it in life. I always knew you'd make it. You know, I always believed in you. Really? Really, you believed in me. You believed in me so much that you said, hey, go for it, man. Like, awesome that you're courageous enough to step out and do personal development. Awesome that you're courageous enough to look in the mirror and realize that you're the one who's holding yourself back. Not life, not society, not every other motherfucker around you. You're holding yourself back. So good on you for having the courage to look in the mirror and say, I can be better, I can do better, and you're doing something about it. Because I wish I had that courage. They didn't fucking say that. So I get all the congratulation messages now, or, or hey man, we should catch up. I'm more than happy to catch up. But here's the thing, I'm happy to catch up, but I'm not going to lower my standards to fit in. I'm not going to do that. I did that when I was younger and I almost ended my life. My point is that if you really want to get ahead, there's only two things that are ever stopping you in any area of life, whether it's business, whether it's finances, whether it's health, whether it's your relationships, whether it's your friendships, whether it's your intimate relationship, whether it's your kids, any area of life, I guarantee you can break it down in between having a block in one of these two things. One of them is your skill set. If you don't have the skill and the understanding of how to make money and then how to invest money, you'll probably never get ahead financially. So that's a skill set. Most people know that, which is why they go to money courses or they read books on money because they're looking for the strategy. Most people know that they need to put money away into savings and they need to invest in shit, right? Basic strategy 101 for making money. Most people know that if they want a better relationship, they probably have to work on communication. They probably have to understand their partner's values. They probably have to change the way that they think, right? Most people know those skill sets. Okay, most people know that if they want to improve their health, they need to probably exercise more, move more, eat a little bit less, or eat better foods, right? It's really quite simple. There are other things as well. Okay, I'm simplifying it, but there are other things. That's the main thing. That's the core foundation, right? And there's foundations in everything. And then there are, you know, the five and 10 percenters that you can build on top of that. But they're the main things, right? But where most people fuck up and that they don't work on is their mindset. Mindset is going to be 80 to 90% of the result because I can give you the strategy, but if you don't have the right mindset, you're not going to implement it or you're going to implement it in your way and fuck it up anyway because you go, oh, I think I can do it better. And you'll try and change the strategy and then you'll break it, right? And this is what most people do. They just don't have the mindset. It's like 80 to 90%, which is why I've focused my whole career on working on people's mindsets. I've worked with world champion athletes who before, I remember one world champion athlete, kickboxer, came to me. He'd lost his fights, couldn't understand why he was losing. He was a wild kickboxer, had won multiple world championships, came to me and said, I'm losing, I don't know what to do. I sat him down, I said, right, let's go through it. Worked through it, realized that he was fighting under anger. He had all this anger that had built up from his past. You know, he had a lot of burning anger. So he would get in the ring and just smash the shit out of people because he would think about his childhood. But eventually people started realizing that if they just put their hands up and held guard, that eventually he would burn himself out because fighting under anger or using emotions in any area of life will eventually burn you out. This is why working hard with emotions is gonna burn you out. When people go, oh man, I'm burnt out. No shit, because you're working under your emotions. You don't wanna work under your emotions, right? Emotions are there as feedback. They tell you when you're elated and excited, but that's also a sign that you're eventually gonna crash and burn out. If you're always down and negative, that's feedback that there's something going on in your head that you've got comparatives to within your own life. And if you don't deal with those comparatives and keep saying, I should be somewhere else, I should be doing something different, then you're probably gonna keep feeling like shit and keep looking for highs, keep looking for excitement, keep looking for joy and all of these like peace and fucking all that shit. But those emotions are driving your behavior. They're gonna create peaks and troughs. If you have a mission, you just get to work and you get shit done. And the most successful people do that. Why? Because they don't let their emotions drive them. 
they're inspired. They love their life. Like I'm enthusiastic, but enthusiasm is normally an energy from within. It's not, it's not an emotion. And so you can have a look at this through hormonal responses. Like if you look at anger, there's a high response of adrenaline, cortisol, you know, you've got stress hormones and shit like that. You can track it via someone's blood. When you're just inspired or you love what you do, love may, depending on the type of love, you may have an increase in oxytocin and some other hormones. But really, if you're just cruising through life and you're doing what you enjoy and you're just working productively every day, you're going to crush it because you don't have those huge peaks, but you don't have crashes either. So you're not going to burn out. There's either mindset or skill set. Mindset is probably 90% of everything. It's 90%. Everyone who's listening to this right now who wants, who says, I want to get ahead financially, I guarantee 90% of it is your head, right? 90%. And 10% is the strategy. The strategy is easy. The mindset is the fucking hard part. Most people, though, will spend 90 to 100% of their time working on the strategy, which is I'm going to go to work. I'm going to make more money. You know, I'm waiting for a pay rise or I'm just going to work hard or I just need to get this. I just need to win this next job. And they're going to convince them, I just need three more staff and I'll get ahead. Nah, man, you're going to end up the same position. You're going to feel the same way. Like it's not going to change. So anyway, but most people don't think that that's the case, which is why they keep doing it. You know, if they look back 10 years and really reflect on their life, they'll see that they've been doing this shit for fucking ages. It's that time of year where you may be finding yourself in a mid-year slump. The shiny excitement of your new year goals and new year's resolutions have worn off and you may be losing focus and losing your progress. That's why I'm running a free five-day motivation reboot challenge starting next Monday, the 10th of July, to get you back on track and creating momentum so that you can finish 2023 strong and not like most people who are glad to see the back of another year. So hurry, this is your last chance to join. Register via the link in the description, and I'll see you on Monday. Let's get into my top 10 things that I wish I would have known when I was younger. Hopefully some of these resonate with you. So number one is that, especially when you're younger, like if you're listening to this and you're in your 20s, what I will say is, Get rid of the idea of looking on social media and seeing some dude with a Ferrari who's 21 or 22 or 23 and going, I want to be like that. They are more rare than a fucking unicorn, right? They don't normally exist. But on social media, they do, right? Because there are a few people who have done e-com or have done extremely well in crypto. And so they're showing their lifestyle off, right? But the truth is that there is 99.99999% of people will never have that in their 20s, right? Will never have it. And then the question is, how many of those 0.00001% of the population who do that shit in their 20s and have the Ferraris and all the cars in their 20s will have it in their 30s? And what you'll find is that most of them won't. And then how many of those will have that in their 40s? And almost none of them will, okay? There'll be one or two every now and again. Okay, I've got some friends who were extremely wealthy in their 20s and in their 30s, they lost it all, right? And they're still coming back from it. So you've just got to be very careful about that self-comparison, especially when you're younger. Something that I learned when I was young that changed my life is they said, when you're young, work to learn, don't work to earn. When someone comes out of university and they're in their 20s and they're like, right, I need to get rich, I need to make heaps of money, I need to build a house, get married, have kids. When you do all that shit and you do it when you're young, you trap yourself for most of your life. Not a good strategy. How do I know that? Because my parents went through it, right? My mum had me when she was 17, dad was 19, they bought their house and you know, I watched them struggle up until you know their 40s. Now, Dad always worked two jobs. Mum worked hard. They were both good savers. They invested pretty much everything that they had so that they could get ahead financially. And now they're in their 60s or actually dad's about to turn 60 next month. But they're traveling around America now. They're doing pretty well. They invested pretty much every fucking cent that they had. And that's why they lived high. I never got it as a kid. We lived in almost poverty so that they could spend their you know later years living in almost freedom. Now, I never saw that as a kid. I never got given money. You know, when kids at school would come to school and be able to buy lunch every day. Man, if I got given lunch once a year, it was normally for my birthday and it was like five bucks back in the day. I might have been able to get like a pasty or a pie. 
and maybe a Coke. And that was about it. You know, if there was money left over for a fucking ice cream, I was celebrating. These things weren't normal. But when you're young, you want to work to learn, don't work to earn. Most people make the mistake of trying to go out there and earn so that they can get ahead financially when they're young. What you want to do is invest as much as you can into learning in your younger years. You've got low risk. You can take more risk. You know, there's not as much on the line. You know, when you're 40 or in your 50s, you can't throw your money around and see what works, what doesn't work. You can't go and just go away for a week and do personal development and personal growth when you've got young kids, especially if there's three kids and they're under the age of five, like someone's got to watch them and shit. You might be able to, but it's going to be harder. So that one piece of advice changed my life. Work to learn in your 20s, don't work to earn. And that's what I did. I did earn well when I was a personal trainer, but I still invested the majority of that money back into learning. So that's where I went and studied nutrition. I did kinesiology through the Czech Institute or their high-performance kinesiology courses. So I'm one of the highest level Czech practitioners in Australia. You know, I went and studied multiple NLP master programs in my early 20s. I went and studied business courses. I sat in investing seminars. Like I just spent shit tons of money. Almost every weekend I was at a course or, you know, during the weeknights I would go to these free courses and I would just learn as much as I can. I mopped up information, which was interesting because in my teens, I got told that I had learning difficulties and I was put in special classes. But once I found what I loved, boom, my learning ability just went through the roof. This is why Thrive Time is the greatest event on the planet, because once you get clear with your success map, you now have a reason as to why you want to learn and why you want to grow and why this shit becomes important. And so your mind works completely differently. Now, I remember shit easy and I'm still probably hyperactive. But I learn way, way better. And I remember a lot of shit. I read a lot of books and all that stuff, which I couldn't do when I was younger because I just didn't have a purpose for the knowledge. My suggestion is work to learn before you work to earn. Most people cap themselves financially because they go out to the workforce and they're always trying to work to earn. And so they're just like, I just need more money. 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 But they don't have the mindset in order to change their wealth habits, which then means they're always going to work to earn because they have to earn. They have to earn because they can never get ahead financially. And so money is always their key stressor. They're emotionally attached to money. So number one is work to learn and invest in your knowledge. That's probably one of the greatest things. Now, when I speak to people and they're like, oh man, your courses are expensive. I'm like, what, expensive than being broke for 40 years? Like, fair enough, whatever. Like when someone says something's expensive, it's compared to what? Like, you know, expensive compared to the $30,000 car you got sitting in your driveway. Motherfucker, you drove that off the showroom floor. You just lost like 7K. Literally, you drove it off the showroom floor, 7K, gone. If you went to sell it tomorrow, probably couldn't make that money back, right? You've lost money. But you're quite fine doing that. Why? Because most of your broke friends all do the same thing, right? And so you look at each other's cars and you go, wow, you're doing well in life. You've got a new car. When really, you bought a new car, you drove it off the showroom floor. Holy shit, you're doing poor financially because you just lost 7K, right? That's not how most people think, right? Anyway, let's move on. So work to learn, number one, don't work to earn. Number two is you've got to build the right mindset for money. There are so many money principles that people get stuck on. First of all, like one of the biggest things is if you're emotionally attached to money and money makes you emotional, you'll probably never get ahead financially, okay? Why? Because when you have low money, you'll be stressed out and you'll be chasing financial freedom. Every day I get on the phone to someone, they're like, man, I just want financial freedom. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, I just want you know, enough money to be able to travel and do what I want when I want. I'm like, cool. So now you're traveling all the time. You're doing what you want. How do you make money? Oh, well, yeah, no, like, um, yeah, good, good strategy, dude. Like fucking wicked. You've thought through this well, right? The reason why most people want financial freedom is because they stress about money all the time. They're trapped by money. They feel that money restricts them instead of seeing that money is an opportunity. That's all that it is. It's an exchange of value that becomes an opportunity. 
Therefore, if you keep taking good opportunities and thinking intelligently over time, you create greater wealth. That's it. But do you lose money? Yeah. Does the stress of not having money go away? Only when you change your mindset. Stress is a mental pattern. It is not a physical pattern. You don't get stressed because of a lack of money because you don't have money. You get stressed because you naturally see the lack of money as a reason to feel stressed. Full stop. It's a fucking mindset pattern, right? But most people just don't get it. They're like, oh man, I'm stressed because of something outside of me. Nah, man, you're stressed because you allow yourself to react in certain ways when things aren't working. And that's what makes you stressed. I have just as much money as most people in the bank, right? The difference is that I use it differently. So if you look in my bank account, some weeks you'll just go, holy shit, man, how do you pay the bills? And I'm like, easy. I just go make more money. Fuck, how do you do that? Easy. The same way other people do it. I add value. I go out. I find another product, another service. But I don't like money sitting in the bank. I don't like money sitting around. Why? Because when it sits around, we tend to get rid of it. So I like money. I like spending money straight away. So cash is king because you want to have cash flow, right? You don't want cash sitting around. You want to have cash flow. You want to have the ability to use money effectively to create more money. That's it. So essentially, when money hits my bank account, I invest it in what I need to invest it in. So the first thing that happens is money normally goes out into a savings account and an investment account. So straight away, money gets pulled because it has to be tight. When it's tight, it creates stress and pressure. When it creates stress and pressure, stress creates growth and pressure creates expansion. If I have enough money, I take my foot off the gas. Everyone does. You know, like most people work so hard for a whole year to get ahead financially and they get ahead financially and go take a holiday. Then they come back and they're like, fuck, I'm broke. No shit. Because you took your foot off the gas. I don't want to take my foot off the gas. I want to wake up every day and go, fuck, I need more money today. Then I go out there and I make more money. Then tomorrow I go, fuck, I need to make more money. And then because I'm investing in stuff, like I'm investing in the business, I'm investing in running bigger events, I'm investing in marketing, I'm putting my money out to work as an investment and then I get more money back. Now, does it always work? No. Sometimes I look in the bank and I'm like, shit, we just spent a heap of money on marketing, doesn't work, fuck, we're out of money. Right, I've got to go make more money. So it makes me creative. It makes me more confident. It gets me on the phone. I overcome my own obstacles and my own objections to get on the phone and call people or you know, do better deals or to put together better deals or to do better marketing. Like It forces me to be better. Do I want to get rid of that stress? Fuck no, not if you want to get ahead. And that's the thing that everyone wants to get away from. Everyone is running away from the stress and the pressure of money. I don't want to run away from it. I want to use it. Every wealthy person that I know uses it. They're sitting there right now. I've worked with people that make billions of dollars of net worth. Billions. And they're like, shit, man, I've got to work really hard because I don't have enough money to buy my next bulldozer. And I'm like, cool, how much do you need? And they're like, I don't know, they're like $400,000. And they're working hard to get that thing. They still feel broke because they don't have 400 grand to buy the next thing. Just like the average person at home doesn't have $300 to buy their pair of Jordans or their, you know, their next motorbike or a couple of grand to buy their next motorbike or $30,000 to buy a car. You know, they're under financial stress, but you've got to remember stress, the stress of having growth is different than the stress of having a fucking mindset problem. So stress creates growth. That's called eustress. That's beneficial stress. Distress is when you think that something shouldn't be that way. You get all stressed about it. You get all flustered. You start losing sleep. You think that things are bad and you start getting into your emotions. Okay, if I wake up and I'm like, cool, I got no money. Bingo, game on. Let's go to work. Let's make some stuff happen. I get excited about it. I'm enthusiastic because it forces me to do something differently. And that's how I grow. That's how I get growth. You've got to build the right mindset for money. If you're not thinking the right way, I guarantee you right now, you have unconscious destructive behaviors that keep you trapped in loops. And if I wrote down your financial patterns over a 10-year period and go, right, tell me how much money you make year after year. Show me what you do with that money. 
tell me when you go through cycles of, yes, I feel like I'm getting ahead. Oh shit, now I'm broke. If you have a look, there are common cycles, right? Sometimes it just takes three years to go through a cycle. So sometimes it takes 12 months. For some people, it's every week. Like some people just never get ahead. You know, I watched people come to some of our events back years ago and they would go, you know, I just started my savings plan and I'm doing what you're telling me, but then bills came in and I had to pay for them and now I've got no money again. I'm like, how long have you had that cycle for? And they're like, oh man, my whole life. And no shit, right? It's obvious. It's a pattern. So you've got to break those patterns. Number three is you've got to be values and mission driven or you'll suffer a lack of fulfillment within your own life. So if you don't know what really drives you in life, you have to be clear with your values your life purpose and your life mission. And every week I get probably five to 10 people reach out and they go, I've done all these courses. I know what my values are. I know what my purpose is, but I'm unfulfilled. You know, I'm lacking clarity. And I go, ah, you think you've done your values. You think you've gotten clear on your purpose and you think you've gotten clear on your mission, but you fucking haven't. Because if you were clear on those things, you would wake up each morning with enthusiasm and you would go for it. If you're not 100% clear with your values, I guarantee you are probably going to have self-sabotage patterns, destructive behaviors, and you're going to procrastinate. If you can get clear with those things and start to structure your life over a year or two-year period, I guarantee you after two years, you'll wake up with enthusiasm and you will just start kicking goals, okay? And whatever those problems are and obstacles in your way, you just find a way to overcome because it's what you enjoy in life. If you're doing things now as a career that you don't enjoy or ways of making money that you don't enjoy and you're just doing them for immediate gratification or a short period of time, you're probably gonna end up back in the same position. So you have to get clear with your mission. A mission is a long-term objective. The reason why most people struggle to get ahead of financially is because they can't think long enough, right? I'm investing in the share market right now, not because of the next 12 months. I'm investing in the share market because at the age of 50, I have a net worth goal that I'm trying to hit. And that net worth goal will put me in the top 0.0 something percent. And that's what I'm trying to hit. So I don't care whether the share market goes up today. I don't care if the share market goes down today. I don't care about any of that. I'm thinking, you know, at least 10 years ahead. So that long-term mission gives me something to work really, really hard for and something for me to enjoy every day because I know I'm working towards it. And when problems pop up, I don't get stressed about it. I just go, cool, I'm just working towards it. So I just keep working towards something important. My values are the thing that provide me fulfillment every day because I know that if I learn, teach, coach, I look after my body, I build a, a great business, I can create wealth and keep moving this thing forward. So wealth creation for me isn't about making money. It's about making missions. It's about creating something awesome. It's about creating a life that I want to enjoy because I'm going to die one day and no one's going to fucking care about how I lived. So I want to know that I've enjoyed life by taking on this challenge and by doing cool shit. And so how do I do that? I build a business, right? I build a business and I keep building businesses because I love it. So you've got to find out what your values are and then live them each day. So my values in a clear, correct order used wisely in your weekly planning will give you your fulfillment. And your mission gives you a long-term focus so that you can drive towards it. Only then do you set effective goals that are efficient, that are effective and will work for you. So you wanna do that because you've gotta know what you're working towards if you're making money. If not, you work hard and then you go, you know what, I'm struggling, I'm stressed all the time, I'm frustrated, I need a holiday. And then you go blow your cash. Or you work hard throughout the week and you go, you know what, I need the weekend off, I need to go drink, I need to go party, I need to have some fun because this life fucking sucks. And then you go out and you blow your cash on the weekend, you're broke again, so you'll never get ahead. This is how most people in the middle class and lower class set themselves up to fail financially. Whereas for me, I don't need to go out and party, I don't need to run a mark, I love what I do. Like if you ask me what's the ideal day, my ideal day is doing exactly what I'm doing now, teaching, learning, coaching, connecting with great people, 
probably traveling, like I love traveling as well. I'd probably travel a little bit more, but at the moment I'm just starting to ramp up travel a little bit more. I've got a couple of big gigs coming up in the next couple of months. But yeah, it's just, I would do the same thing. Like I wouldn't change anything because I just, I enjoy it. The only thing that I'd do is I'd just do everything bigger. Like I'd build a bigger business. I'd have more staff. I would hang out with more people. I would teach in bigger audiences. Like that's about it. So that's how you know you set yourself up right in life, but that's by having a very clear success map in life. It's exactly what I teach at Thrive Time. Then number four is you've got to surround yourself with people who are happy to talk about money. When I grew up, my mum used to say to me, we don't talk about money with others. So we would hide money. I could see that she was ashamed of money. Then I would sit around the dinner table and I would talk about money with my grandparents. And my grandparents on my dad's side would say, we don't talk about money around the dinner table. I would watch my parents argue about money. So I had this negative connotation with money. I'd go, shit, money's bad. Money creates drama. Money creates problems. Money's something that you don't talk about with others because you're ashamed of it. I didn't realize how big an impact that had on my whole life up until I was 30. Now I talk openly about it. I'm happy to talk to anyone about how much money I make, why I make that money, you know, whatever, because I've got nothing to hide. I'm not ashamed of it. We only hide shit that we're ashamed of. Now, if you don't like talking about money, it's because you're ashamed of it. I sit around the dinner table and I talk about money with my parents. And I remember my mum used to say that to me when I was like in my 30s. You know, we don't really talk about money. And I was like, why? Well, you know, it's just not a polite thing to do. Polite for who? And I just watched her mind fucking boggle because she'd never questioned it. It was just what she was taught. Okay, why do we talk about around the dinner table? Why do you ask me how my health's going? Why do my family come over and go, how's your week? Why do they ask me that question? Why is it polite to talk about my week, but it's not polite to talk about money, which is part of my week? Why is it polite to ask me how I'm going in regards to my health? So I say, oh, I've gone to the doctors and my mum says, well, what do you go to the doctors for? Is everything okay? Is that fucking polite? Okay, but we don't talk about money around the dinner table because it's not polite. Yeah, come on. Like, let's think about this differently. So I questioned my mum and now they come around. And I can talk to them. Like, I just talked to them about money. Yeah, we just made this much this week. Like, we had a really good week in sales. You know, the event numbers are going up. This has been happening, blah, blah. I talk about it unemotionally because I'm not emotionally attached to money. To me, money's just a tool. If I can talk about shoes, I can talk about money. If I can talk about the fucking fridge that I have in my house, I can talk about money. If I can talk about what I'm doing this week, I can talk about money because I'm not emotionally attached to my fridge. I'm not emotionally attached to my shoes. So I can talk about it. I talk about things I'm not attached to. I like making money because it allows me opportunities to do cool shit in life. And it also allows me to do Things where it impacts other people in an empowering way, like hiring more staff, running better events, running bigger events, being able to impact more people. I don't just make money for the sake of making money because I'm like Scrooge that you get taught when you're a kid that just has all this money sitting around. It's you use it to do things for the greater good. And most wealthy people do. Like most wealthy people that I know who make money, they invested into new businesses. They invested into people. They invested into training, development, all of that sort of shit, properties. They invested into the share market. That helps businesses grow. When you look at it, most wealthy people actually do the most for the economy. Yet, the media attack them. Why? Because 5% of the economy pay the majority of the tax. 5% of the economy are the most powerful. 5% of the economy are less understood than the majority of people in our society. So it's easy to pick someone and go, oh, it's rich people who are fucking destroying the country. Really? Really? The ones that are paying all the tax. The ones that the governments use to run all their campaigns. The ones that pay for the majority of healthcare. Really, they're the ones that are fucking destroying the country. The ones that are starting new businesses for employment, they're the ones that are fucking the country. The business owners that are investing in the share market, which then those businesses use that money to grow their businesses. So if I buy Qantas shares, they go and use that money to invest. That's why you own shares in the company. You're essentially paying 
for owning part of that business. They raise revenue. That's how shares work. Okay, if I went out and said, look, do you want to invest in my business and you give me $100,000, you now become a shareholder, but you've just given me $100,000 I can use for growth. That's how shares work. Okay, the wealthy people, you mean the people that are building all the properties and all that sort of shit? Oh yeah, but they're fucking ripping everyone off. Really? They're ripping everyone off, but the government aren't, right? The old mate that's sitting around there expecting handouts, they're not ripping the government off. The person that goes to Medicare and expects free healthcare, they're not ripping the government off. What do they fucking pay you to go to the doctor? That comes out of taxation money. 40% of that is paid for by rich people, right? So this is the problem that we have in our society is that most people's mindsets are wrong and they get stuck. So you've got to surround yourself with people who are happy to talk about money if you want to get ahead financially. I sit down, I talk with my friends about money. I talk to Jess every day about money. Where are we at financially? What's working? What's not working? How much money do we need over the next month? Why do we need it? What are we going to use it for? How do we like, how does this help us build our future? Like, what do we need here? So we talk about it all the time. Why? Because it's important. And we talk about things that are important. So if money's important, then make sure you surround yourself with people who don't judge and criticize you for talking about money and who talk about money in good ways, not just, man, I work fucking hard all the time and everything's shit. Don't hang out with those people, okay? If you're a business owner and you hang out with people like that, which are most business owners that are stuck and can't get ahead financially, then come and join our Business Growth Odyssey, right? It'll change your life because you'll be hanging around with people that are actually crushing it in business and enjoying the process. Anyway, number five is you've got to break your emotional attachment to money. Like I said before, money is just a tool. If you get emotional, when you don't have money, you get emotional. And when you do have money, you get excited and you think, wow, this is really great. If you have those emotional peaks and troughs, you will probably keep destroying your money and you'll probably keep creating emotional peaks and troughs. When Jess comes to me and she says, we need 10 grand to pay this. I go, yeah, cool. All right, I'll figure it out. I don't have any emotional attachment. Like, that's cool. We just, you got to add more value somewhere, like create a new product, create a new service, go and follow some people up, you know, see what else we can do. Like, there's no need to get emotional about it. I used to get emotional, but I also used to be stuck financially. Yes, do I lose sleep some nights when we're low on cash? Yeah, I do. But that's when I know I got to dive back in and do more mindset work. And this is the exact stuff I teach at Thrive Time, is I use those same tools. So when we're under stress financially and I can't sleep at nighttime, I get up and I go and use those tools and then I go back to sleep. Why? Because all it's doing is I know I'm pushing against another belief barrier that's stopping me from getting the next level of growth. And essentially growth comes in, if you imagine circles, they're called concentric spheres. And you go to the edge of one circle and let's say it's a circle that is like a cage. In order to get to the next level, you have to break through that cage. Now that cage, you have to have a whole bunch of learnings in order to bust through that cage. If you don't have the mental learnings, you won't get through it. So in your own life, if you don't push up against those challenges in your own life and learn new shit, you just stay stuck at the same level that you've always been playing at. And it's like school. If you're in grade five and you don't learn what you need to learn, when the exam comes up, you fail and you have to repeat the grade. Most people get stuck at a level of life because they haven't learned what they've needed to learn to pass the test of life in order to break through the fence or to break through the barrier to go to the next level. So in my own life, I'm always thinking, right, this is challenging. This is fucking stressful right now. There's a whole bunch of shit I need to learn. What do I need to learn? Who do I need to surround myself with? What can I read? What events do I need to go to? Let's fucking go. And I go and I learn what I need to learn. And then eventually, boom, all of a sudden I pop to a whole new level. Everything gets easy again. I get rewarded. So finances go up, my health goes up, life gets better. And I'm like, shit, this is really, really cool. I cruise along for a while and then I'm like, shit's getting hard now. Shit's getting hard again. I got to learn some stuff. I got to deal with a bunch of problems. There's a whole bunch of fucking chaos again. Shit's getting destroyed. 
Perfect. Now I'm in learning cycle again. It's time to go. I keep going. Things get tough. I question myself. Is this worth it? Is it not worth it? What the fuck's going on? And you have all that stress and pressure, but that's where optimum growth happens. And then bang, you come out the other side. You get rewarded hugely again. The rewards get better as well. Every time you break through one of those circles, better rewards. So that's why you need to learn. If you do not learn and you do not pass the tests of life, you have to repeat the grades. You have to repeat those lessons in life. So it's up to you how you want to learn, how you want to grow. But that's how I think about it anyway. You need to keep breaking your emotional attachment to money. Number six is enthusiasm and energy wins the game of life. If you don't wake up in the morning with enthusiasm, you've got the right mindset about your life. You're not working towards a mission and common objectives in life. You're not living your values. You're not clear with your purpose. You haven't set your lifestyle up to have the balance that you need to live a great life. You don't really understand about how to set goals and how to keep tracks of the visions that keep popping up and you don't have the right mental performance tools, then you're probably not going to have the right energy and enthusiasm to take on challenges. You're going to want to avoid them. And again, most people go on holidays. Why? Not because they've earned the right to a holiday, but because they're so fucking stressed and burnt out and tired and frustrated from working so hard to try to get ahead and they're just not getting ahead. So they're frustrated, they go on holiday and then they switch off. And then two weeks later, they come back and they're like, cool, I'm fully refreshed. And then they go, oh, fuck, now I've got my finances are shit again. My health's turned to shit because I've been eating and drinking while I'm on holidays. Everything's fucking crap again. And off they go. Now they got to work hard for another year. Or they're looking forward to Christmas or Easter or the next long weekend or the next public holiday. That's how you know that you're stuck in life. Right? I don't look forward to public holidays. In fact, public holidays piss me off. Why? Because everyone else is on holiday. I'm like, I need staff to be working. I want everyone to be working so that I can keep shit rolling forward. When everyone else is on holidays, I'm like, fuck, I've got to take on more work. I've got to keep pushing and keep this thing moving. I want to keep the momentum there. Momentum is like one of the greatest assets in life. When things are moving, you want to keep that thing moving because it needs less energy. If you're looking at public holidays, long weekends, Easter's, Christmases, and all that shit for holidays, I guarantee you, your life is not that exciting. You are stuck right? Unless you've got something big coming up, but you're probably stuck. I know it's hard to hear. I used to do it. When I was a diesel mechanic, man, public holidays were the fucking best. I wish we had them every weekend. I used to wish for a four-day work week. I was like, man, why do we work fucking five days a week? This is shit. You know, we should have every Friday off. But if I got every Friday off, I'd want every Thursday off. Essentially, I wanted to be paid to not work. But that's not how life works. We get paid because of the value that we create and because society finds what we do valuable. If we're a non-performing, non-valuable asset or a non-valuable person in society, we become a liability and no one really cares. And that's what happens when most people retire is that you stop adding value to society, you become a non-value liability to the country and the government give you the bare minimum to stop people writing. Okay, the government don't want to tell you you're fucking useless. But essentially when most people retire, they're useless. So the government goes, right, here's your pension, here's the bare minimum so that you can just pay your bills, so you can just eat enough food and good luck for the rest of life. And then you're going to struggle, you're going to clog up the healthcare system, which then the government has to deal with. You'll probably get shitty healthcare, you, which is better than most countries around the world, but still it's shit. And this is what most people look forward to. You know, I can't wait till I retire. Really? Fuck, that's what you're looking forward to? Come on, man. Like, let's do this. But anyway, enthusiasm and energy wins the game of life. So you want to keep that enthusiasm, that energy high. When you're fucking bouncing off walls each day because you love what you do, I guarantee people will get attracted to you and cool shit will happen. Opportunities will just Come out of the woodwork. Why? Because most people are fucking miserable. They sap energy. They don't give energy. When you're the person that gives energy, people are like, what the fuck? This person's intense. I like being around this person. I feel alive around them and they come alive again. So you want to have that energy and enthusiasm at a high level of life. Number seven is don't run away from your problems and stress. Holidays, drinking, 
taking drugs, fucking partying all the time, that stuff will not get you ahead in life, right? You're using immediate gratification and short-term goals to make yourself feel better about life. Now, did I do it? Yeah, man, my whole 20s were full of, or half of my 20s were full of that, right? Every weekend out, most nights out partying, always around friends, but I was always broke. I was always stressed about money. Would I prefer back then or would I prefer now? Well, back then I would have preferred that. You know, if you told me now that at the age of 39, you don't really drink, or I very rarely drink, maybe a couple of times a year, you know, don't really go out partying. I'd prefer to be in bed by nine o'clock most nights and get up early. I would prefer to go to the gym and train than go and run a market at a music festival and shit like that. I would have thought that I would be the most boring dude on the planet. But I can tell you right now, when you get on a plane and you're flying business class to the other side of the world where you've got enough cash where you can do what you want and you can have cool experiences and you can hang out with amazing people that are doing cool shit, you can go and learn, you're always growing, you're working purposefully towards something important, you wake up every day and you love your life. In all honesty, like if someone had told me that in my 20s, it would have been hard to say no to that. Like that's what I've got now. Was it easy? Fuck no, it took me buddy a decade to get to where I am today right? A decade, at least. And most people don't want to invest that decade, right? Most people don't even want to invest a couple of grand to come to a personal development event to get their shit together. You know, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. Yeah, but you got the time to fucking drink all the time and the money to party and take drugs and run a mark and gamble and all of that shit. Now, that's not everybody, but it's a lot of people, right? You know, Australia has one of the highest cocaine uses per capita in the world. So when someone tells me they don't have a lot of money, all I think is, yeah, but most Aussies have enough money for coke. They got enough for a bag on the weekend, but they don't have enough to put towards a greater life. Most Australians drink way too much. Like we've got a massive drinking problem in this country and it's part of our culture. Yet most people, you say to them, go and do something with that cash. And they're like, man, I don't have the money, but they've got enough money to sink into grog and just piss it out at the end of the weekend. The only thing that they walk away with is a hangover, poor brain function, worse liver function, shitty energy, and a fucked up life. They go, oh man, I had a wicked weekend. No judgment because I used to do it, right? And looking back, if I could tell my younger self to not do it, I probably wouldn't have listened anyway. So there are going to be people who don't listen, right? But I'm just giving you what's worked for me. My life's completely different because of it. And I don't drink because it just affects my sleep. And having shitty sleep means a shitty mindset. If I've got a shitty mindset, I start feeling like crap. I get down. I start feeling a bit depressed. Everyone knows that alcohol was a depressant. Why keep drinking all the time? And I've never really met someone who says the key to my success is a heap of drink, a heap of drugs, a heap of partying unless you're a social media influencer who shows that, hey, look at this lifestyle, this is amazing. They make shitloads of money off of it, but most wealthy people don't, that's for sure. Anyway, let's keep moving on. And by the way, this is no judgment to anyone. Like you can do whatever the fuck you want. You're an adult. I hope so if you're listening to this anyway, because I swear a lot, but you're an adult. Like do whatever the fuck you want in life. You're going to learn your own lessons in your own time. So, you know, and this is what I teach at my events as well. Is like, I don't teach people what to do or tell people what to do. You do whatever you want to do. I just give you a whole bunch of tools to figure out how you can be more successful how you can get the best out of yourself and then the tools to consistently do that. I think telling you how I do things and that you should follow me is silly because you might have a different lifestyle. You might have a family, you might have kids and stuff like that. But you have patterns of success that allow you to achieve at a higher level. Your mindset, if you can tap into that and understand yourself better, you'll crush it in life. And that's what I teach is how do you understand that? How do you get it out of yourself? How do you turn it into a success map? How do you build a lifestyle that works for you? And then you get out there and you fucking crush it. That's what you do. So yeah, I don't teach people how to be successful. I just help them chip away all the shit that stops them from being successful and let them go and then they just crush it. So anyway, don't run away from your problems. Always deal with your problems. Always deal with your stress. Normally stress is a mindset problem. Most problems are perceived as problems. You can always work through them. You just got to learn something. That's all it is. And I remind myself of that every day. Every day I got to deal with head fucks. I just got to learn something here. Because if I can't solve it straight away, it's because there's a problem. If there's a problem, 
I need to learn something in order to be able to solve that problem. And once I do that, then I've got the learning and I've got the lesson. Inside my mind is like a massive library that I can always go back to. So when the problem pops up again, boom, I can solve it. And that's why now I can work with thousands of people with businesses, with their mindset in leadership and all that stuff. Why? Because I've got the knowledge to help people break through shit because I've already got the knowledge, right? I've had to go through it. I've had to work through it and I've found the solution to stuff. Number eight, make sure you always live poor. So you've got to get rid of excess cash and you do that by putting it into investments. If you're not always struggling financially, you take your foot off of the gas. And when I say struggling financially, I don't mean that you need to struggle financially as in like, oh man, I can't even turn my heater on. What I mean is like money has to always be tight. Anytime you have loose money, you become loose with your money. So if you're tight with your money, you'll always be tight with your money. So what I do now is like, I still live a nice lifestyle. Like I go out to lunch and, you know, I um, in the next couple of weeks, I've got to travel interstate and do some speaking gigs over there. A couple of people reached out in Sydney. So I'm heading across there for a couple of podcasts. If anyone's got a podcast in Sydney or knows of anyone with a podcast in Sydney, please hit me up on any of my social media. I would love to hear from you because I am flying over there just to do a couple of interviews and podcasts in the next couple of weeks. And I'm trying to get on a couple more podcasts and so on. I live a pretty wild lifestyle. Like I enjoy it, but I still live tight. So anytime there's a surplus of cash, boom, I tighten everything back up. And then what I do is I commit to shit and then figure out how to pay for it. So like if I've got an investment opportunity, I go, right, I'm going to do it. And then I just do it. And then I'm like, holy shit, how do I get the cash? Right, how do I add value? How do I make this work? And then from there, that stress helps me to go find the cash. When I find the cash, then I put it into it and boom, I've just grown financially. In our business, this is probably the number one hack in business. We've taken a couple of people on for to do some work with marketing. Now we didn't have the cash sitting around. Why? Because I take the cash and I put it into investment straight away. But this guy comes along and other people came along. And they said, look, we can help you to do these things that you're looking for this is going to be the cost. And I went, okay, cool. Don't have the money. Let me sign all the paperwork. Let's get it done. Then I go and go, right, how do I make that money? How do I get that money in? And now I look for new opportunities. I create a couple of new products. I've got some new stuff launching. I run some new marketing campaigns and boom, there's a the cash. I don't try to get the cash and then make decisions. I make decisions and then I go get the cash, which is 180 degrees around how most broke people will think. Broke people go, when I have the cash, then I will do something. The reason why they never had the cash is because they never had the pressure to do anything. And when the pressure is high enough, they're normally broke. And then they go, shit, I've got to work really, really hard to get ahead to pay the bills. And then when they pay the bills, they take their foot off the gas and they go, oh yeah, I'll commit to doing stuff in the future. But they never do anything in the future because they're always waiting for the cash before they do things. Rich people make decisions first and then figure out how to get the money. Broke people or people who struggle financially always try to figure out how to get the money before they make the decision, which is the reason why they're broke. It's 180 degrees the opposite. But anyway. So you want to make sure that you live tight consistently, always keep your money tight, but instead you've got to change your mindset in the way that you make money, make decisions first and then go and figure out how to get the cash versus waiting for the cash and then trying to figure out, you know, whether it's worthwhile that you spend the money on that thing because you'll never do it. You'll never do it. Don't listen to most people about life and money. So the majority of the population is lower class or lower middle class. And if you go to any country around the world, the majority of the wealth is in the top hands of the top 1% and then the top 5% and then the top 10% and it goes down in a tiered structure. Whether Australians like it or not, and whether Americans like it or not, there are class systems. And there have always been class systems in every country since the dawn of time. There is always classes. Just some countries, it's easier. Like if you're born in certain countries and you're part of a certain class, you're just part of a certain class. In Australia, you're born into a certain class, but you can be whatever class that you choose to fucking be. That's the beautiful thing. Most people, though, stay in the class that they're born into. So if they're born in lower class, they will stay lower class. 
they might get ahead a little bit better than the lower class. So if you're someone who is absolutely broke and struggling and your parents make $400 a week, your goal will probably be to make $800 a week. And you're doing better than most of the people you grew up with and hang out with. And so you might be the best of your friends, but you're still in the same class. If you want to be different, you've got to hang out with different people. You've got to do shit differently, completely differently. And so you have to surround yourself with people who are way further ahead than you. When I listen to some of my friends who are super rich, it blows my fucking mind the way that they think, the way they do things, and it's scary. Like to think about that you can just go and buy a property which is worth $50 million, a big block of land, for no money, for no money. And you go out there and you negotiate a deal and you put a deal together with the bank and you bring in investors and all that stuff and you're liable for all that stuff that could turn completely wrong and everything like that. They go out and they just figure it out. And you're like, fuck man, that's cool. I could probably do that. But the question is, am I ready for it? Am I ready to take on the responsibilities and the risks and all that stuff? Maybe, maybe not. Is it part of my mission and my values? Maybe, maybe not. So you've just got to start hanging out with the way that different classes think. The cool thing is, is that like with something like this podcast, you might be in a similar class to me. You might be in a higher class than me. I know there are plenty of people who listen to this who make way more money than me. And you're listening for the mindset stuff because you know how important mindset is and different views and different opinions and so on. But there is also a lot of people who listen to this who are maybe in a different class, like a lower class. But by learning this stuff and listening to this stuff consistently and then maybe coming to one of my events or my seminars, and surrounding yourself with people that are growing and like that, eventually your mindset will shift because you'll just start thinking like the people that you hang around. The problem is, is if you listen to the news every night, you hear, you know, global financial crisis, cost of living crisis, global warming, COVID pandemic, like it's just all fear driven. Now, something that I heard a while ago from Simon Baird, who built Culture Kings, that is a $600 million company. He said, scared money, don't make no money. If you're scared, if you're afraid, and you're playing safe all the time, you're probably never going to get ahead financially. If you're surrounding yourself with people that are rolling the dice, that are having fun, that don't mind making mistakes, like I make financial mistakes a lot, and I've been around people that have gone bankrupt a couple of times, and they're out there and they're still making hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Why? Because they know that those mistakes they're never going to make again, they get out there and they try again. What most people do is they've been conditioned from school that when you fail, you're a failure and therefore you should just give up because you're afraid of failing. And most people in life are afraid of failing. They're afraid of what their friends think. They're afraid of what their family thinks. They're afraid of looking like a fool. They're afraid of looking like an idiot. And because of that, they're probably going to end up feeling like a fool, looking like an idiot, feeling like shit, because one day you're going to have to look back on your life and figure out whether you live the life that you wanted to live. And for most people, it's going to be no, and they're going to feel like shit. So I would rather feel like shit today and do something different and fail and have people go, aha, you failed. And I go, cool, man. Thanks. Your opinion matters to me so much. I'm going to think about it for probably the next 30 seconds and then I'm just going to get on with my life and not give two fucks about you or what you think. So that's how wealthy people live, right? And I see it all on social media. People are like, oh man, you're a scammer. You rip people off. They've never been to my events. They've never seen me. They've never met me in person. If they did, I'd probably choke them out. Like these are just absolute fucking morons. They spend all their time commenting on Facebook instead of making money or adding value to society. They're just douchebags. And they think that their opinion matters. Like, why are you sharing your opinion to me with me? Like, why do I fucking care what you think? I don't. I like Andrew Tate where, not that I like him. You've probably heard me talk about him before. I don't like him. I don't not like him. He's just a human doing human shit. And he's learning his own lessons in his own way, just like all of us. But when people are giving him shit, he just said, what color's your Bugatti, right? You know, and that's what I think. Like some fucking idiot on social media that probably makes 200 bucks a year that's eating Cheetos and has fucking Dorito crumbs falling all over his chest and stomach. He's probably overweight and, and hasn't seen sunlight in five days who gets fucking anxiety just walking out the front door of his house. And when, you know, oxygen touches his fucking nostrils, fresh air, 
that same person is the same person who's writing shit on social media because I've got nothing better to do. Do you think that when I walk out and see my supercars in my garage that I think about what that fucking Cheeto-licking douchebag is thinking? No way. I don't care. Right? I literally don't care. But that Dorito-licking douchebag thinks that I care. Why? Because they spend their whole life worried about what other people think. So what they do is they're reflecting their fears onto me. They think that because they are scared of what people think, they think that if they write their opinions on my social media, it's going to stop me from achieving. And they think part of their lack of success is due to my success. And it doesn't. No one fucking stops me in life. I stop myself. Right? Nothing stops me in life. Not the government, not any... Because if the government stopped me, like during COVID, I just switch and I do online events. Right now, yeah, they could stop me by locking me up, putting me in jail, someone could kill me, whatever. Okay, but outside of that, not much stops someone that's driven. They'll move overseas, they'll go interstate, they change what they need to do in order to get what they need to get. You really have to be careful about listening to most people in society. You just need to stop doing it. Just stop fucking listening to them. Because most people will never even get close to having the life that they want. And they're going to try all the different manipulation tactics. Because when you're achieving, it's going to make them feel like shit. When I put up a picture of my McLaren online and someone reacts emotionally to it and they're like, oh, you're a fucking wanker. You know, you're just showing off, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, cool, man. That's good. You know, whatever. At least you remember me. Just remember my name. That's why I got the number plates, Mr. Mojo. I got the Mr. Mojo number plates. I wanted Mojo, just plain Mojo number plates. But apparently some woman had them on a scooter and I rang up the transport department. I said, can you ask her if she'll sell them? I'll pay her more and I'll give it. Nope, she doesn't want to sell them. And the bike wasn't even fucking registered. The bike was sitting at her house and she's not even using the number plates. So I was like, right, what else will grab people's attention? Ah, I know, Mr. Mojo. And then I drive around and there are a lot of people who are like, what a fucking douchebag. He thinks he's like Austin Powers. But it's got nothing to do with that. It's just the company name. It's like, I'm Mr. Mojo. I'm the, I'm the guy that's the Mojo guy, right? And so, you know, it revs people up, but they remember it. I can go places and they're like, oh, you're the dude with the Mr. Mojo McLaren. So people remember that shit. But my whole point is you've got to stop worrying about what other people think. Because people who worry about what other people think are also the people who are online, who are judging and criticizing because they think that that's going to stop other people because it stops them. When you don't give a fuck what other people think, then you just get out there and you do what you want to do because you don't care. And you're also the person then who doesn't care what, you know, like I see shit online that I don't agree with, but I don't sit on there and argue with people about it because I don't fucking care. Because I don't care what other people think when they write on my Facebook page. I appreciate when people comment and, you know, say nice things. But when someone's on there just talking absolute smack, I don't care. And that's why I don't get on other people's social media and I don't comment on their shit because they shouldn't care what I think unless it's an intelligent debate or something like that or, you know, I'm helping them in some way. But most of the time it's just smack. So number nine is don't listen to most people about life and money because it's just smack, right? And if you want to live a life of shit like they live, then get involved in that stuff and care what people think. Okay, but you need to get out there and care what you think and live the life that you want to live. Number 10 is know the difference between an asset and a liability. An asset puts money into your pocket. A liability takes money out of your pocket. And how you think about assets and liabilities make a massive difference. When people go out and they buy their home that they live in and they call that an asset, that's a liability. It takes money out of your pocket every week. And then they go, oh, yeah, but I can sell it in, you know, in 30 years time. Okay. You've got to make sure the market's going in the right direction. Did you buy it at the right time? Do you have to pay expenditure? What are your expenditures on that home over a 10-year period? Like, what are they? Is it an asset or is it a liability? As an investor and you go out and you buy a property, you buy it at the right time, in the right market, in the right place, okay, and you've done all your background research. Then from there, everything that you spend on that property, you claim back on tax. So then now you've got a tax write-off. 
or partial tax write-off. And by the way, I'm not an accountant. I'm not a lawyer or anything like that. So make sure this isn't financial advice. But you claim all that shit back. You can't do that on your home. You pay after-tax dollars on your home that you live in. So when you get paid from your job or when you get paid by a customer, you pay tax. Then from there, you then have to pay for shit on your house. So you're paying with after-tax dollars and you don't get to write off anything on tax. Okay, unless you're sneaky. But if you've got an investment property, you then claim shit on tax and... When you get the money from the property, you can go out and spend money if it's on the business and you get to write that off before tax. So you actually reduce your taxable income. So one is an asset, one is a liability for most people. Most people don't know that, okay? Most people don't know the difference between an asset and liability. Every week, when I speak to someone on the phone, they're like, oh, I should come and do one of your events. And I'm like, cool, whatever. And they're like, oh, I don't know. It's, it costs a lot. And I'm like, got a new car? Oh, yeah, it's fairly new. Like it's five years old. Okay, cool. Did you give a fuck then whether that was an asset or a liability? That's a liability. You drove it straight off the showroom floor, lost money like that. Okay, you lost money. Now you're going to sell it, you're losing money. And by the way, if you sell the home that you live in, you've got to buy another house. So either you have to downsize, which then gives you cash, then that's an asset. But then what are you going to do with it? Like you're downsizing and now you've got cash. You better put that into something else or you've got to buy a house of the same size, the same level in the same market that you sold in. You're rolling the dice. It's not really an investment. Most wealthy people do not classify their home as an investment. Most broke people do. Most people classify a car as an investment when actually it's a liability. Most broke people classify learning as a liability, not an investment. Okay, I had a business owner a little while ago and he said to me, do you know I was telling someone about your one-on-one coaching price? I think it was like 10 grand I was working with him for the day. He said, you know, I was telling him how much you charge and they were like, shit, man, that's a lot of money. And he was like, yeah, you know, but, and he said, I tried to explain what you do and how you can help him. But it was like, he goes, I couldn't. I said, mate, just explain it this way. How quickly do you lose $10,000? And he goes, man, I lost $10,000 yesterday when one of the guys dropped a pallet of tiles off the back of a forklift and just smashed all these tiles. And he said, that was 10 grand. I said, how long did that take? And he said, a second. And I said, so you lost 10 grand in a second. And yet you didn't lose sleep over that. Yet most people lose sleep over paying 10 grand for a coach. That tells you where they're at in their head, right? This could be the greatest investment you ever make on ROI, which is return on investment. So you spend 10 grand on me. You might go out and make another million, 2 million, 4 million, $10 million based on what we discuss over a five or 10 year period. Yet $10,000 is a lot of money. Yet one of your lads drops 10 grand of a pallet off the back of a truck. And you're just like, oh, fuck, man, that's just part of doing business right? You pay 10 grand on insurance or five grand on insurance and that's a lot of money. But at the same time, you still pay it and you don't complain about it because you just do it. But at the same time, you don't insure yourself against fucking destroying your life by working on yourself. So these things are things that make a massive difference if you want to get ahead financially. You need to know the difference between an asset and a liability. And an asset puts money into your pocket over the long run and a liability takes it out. So you need to know those things. That's number 10. Anyway, Driven Mofos, I hope you've enjoyed this episode because I know that there is all this shit in the media about cost of living, the cost of living crisis. I've had heaps of people asking me, reaching out, saying that I should talk about this. A heap of you as well have been on my Instagram account sending me messages like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sort of stuck here. How do I deal with this stuff? And so I thought I'll just combine it all together in this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please remember to share this. If you're loving these episodes, please make sure you share it with a friend or a family member that you know is going to get value from this podcast. I would really appreciate it. Our numbers keep going up and I just want to keep impacting and helping more people in a no bullshit format where I can actually say things that will help people make people think. I also know that it's probably going to piss some people off as well, but I don't really care, right? I want to help those that want to be helped and want to get ahead financially, want to crush life 
and want to live a great life. We want to have a great family, great friendships. You know, you want it all. That's what success is really about. Success is creating the life that you really want to live. And that's what this podcast is about. Anyway, stay driven, driven mofos. I appreciate each and every one of you. And I look forward to you joining me back here once again for another episode of the Underestimate Entrepreneur. Peace out and take care. 